We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nivy Nation, welcome to the post-game show. That's that dude. Sean Davis, I'm Brian Driscoll. We'll be joined by Vince Daria here in a little bit, Sean. And we are, we are here for the Notre Dame post-game breakdown of the Notre Dame victory over Boston College. 44 to nothing performance, Sean. Let's just dive right into it. Notre Dame outgains Boston College 437 to 173. It was a a performance, Sean, that, look, I'm just going to say this right now. If some of y'all are hoping to hear us be critical of them not playing for four quarters, we're not doing that. I think all of you watched the game. You saw what happened in the second half. We couldn't even see from the press box, Sean. I left with like six minutes left because I, I couldn't see the field. I will say this was a dominant, dominant performance from start to finish. The offense did what it needed to do in the second half. The defense was dominant for 60 minutes. The funny thing is, Sean, and you and I were talking about this before the show, the worst part of the game today was the special teams, which has been the best part of their performance all season. So Notre Dame, Sean, you you, want to end a season at home. You want to go out on senior day with a dominant performance. And, man, Sean, boy, did they. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're right with that. You're right with that. And uh, look, I actually said this week I wanted them to jump out early and then the second half I wanted snow to come down and make it magical. <laughs> That's exactly what we got. We knew the team that BC was. Um, hats off to them for even sneaking out that win on the road against North Carolina State last yeah. week. Because yeah. it's, you know, they were hit by the flu. They had injuries, eight different sets of starting offensive linemen this year, all types of ups and downs, and not having a starting quarterback and going with a freshman and him being on the road in this environment for the first time. It was just really overwhelming. It was really overwhelming, and we thought that Zay Flowers would come in and have an opportunity to set uh, records for Boston College in this game. He, he did one. He set one at least. The receptions Catches. record. Yeah. And, you know, the touchdown record. I think he has one more game left. Correct. That touchdown Correct. record. They have so, Wake Forest next week. Or, uh, uh, no, they have – who do they have next week, Sean? Um I think they're at home next week, Boston College, uh, uh, Syracuse. Yeah, who doesn't have Garrett Williams? So he should get it next week. He should get it next week. Yeah. So, look, it's one of those things where you're happy with it, you're healthy, you get to go up against USC. hope so. Yeah, yeah, that was some, you know, Because you saw Cam Hart come off the field. Make, yeah. Trying to make a tackle in the third quarter, holding his shoulder. That looked, the shoulder. That looked good. You know, uh, Jason Alamiola didn't play. You know, he, things. He lobbied. He lobbied to play, from what I'm told. But the coaches were like, no, nah, uh-uh, not happening. Hmm. I just, man, I don't understand how anyone can look at this game and be upset about it in any way, shape, or form. I, it, because with all things being considered, I understand that you probably want to see Certain players take the field, but it was really about getting time to those seniors, getting them in the game. Of course, you could have seen – you saw some of the youngsters on defense. I, you definitely mm-hmm. saw some youngsters on defense. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly that at some point in the last three games, Steve Angeli should have taken a snap. That's what I did. That's one thing I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand I, that one. I can understand people being upset about that. Uh, like you said, I think in the second half with the snowfall and in the conditions, I think in the third quarter he still, you know, Deion Cozy drops uh, a play coming around that would have hit. You know, it's, I promised I wasn't going to start the show with any negative, so I'm not going to touch that one for right now, Sean. No, but but you know, I, I think they were trying to be they was they were trying to show, or they didn't want. It I was to look old. like. They were taking a foot off the gas yeah. consecutive weeks. I, I, so look, here's here's my thing about the game, Sean. I, I, I really feel that if they don't – if the snow doesn't come down like that, I think Notre Dame puts at least two more touchdowns on the board. Just 
I do. I mean, because BC could not stop them. I mean, at no point in time. And look, let's just dive into it, right? So first, the first thing, Sean, I, I want to say big picture. There, can we can we stop with the senior day stuff now? Can we stop? The last two years, Notre Dame has outscored their opponents on senior day 99 to nothing. Can we stop with the senior day and are they going to come to play? I mean, that's that's no. They've dominated on senior day, Sean. And let's see, the year before that was 45 to 21. The year before that, I'm trying to remember who what was senior day in 2019. Do you remember who senior day was in 2019? I can't for the life of me. It was it was BC. They beat 40 to not seven. And then 2018 senior day was Florida state. They won 42 to 13. So can we stop with, I don't know how this team is going to show up mentally for senior day. That's gone. I was really happy to see this team come out and, and and here, here's the big thing for me, Sean, before we go into the offense, we thought they were going to turn the corner last week. Right. And you mentioned earlier, BC is a wounded animal, right? I mean, they're coming off a big win, but their old line got hit with the flu. They weren't that good to begin with. You know, and it's just a not a very good football team. And you wonder, like, can, yeah. is Notre Dame going to look at them and be like, they're not that good. They stink. They're all these problems. And then sleepwalk through a bad opponent. That's been the criticism of Notre Dame all year, right? You play to the level of your competition. Today, they came out focused. They eliminated mistakes. They were sharp on offense and defense. They were physical. They were ready to play today. Yeah, I mean, they flat out came out and said, we're going to put this team away early. And they did it. I think the offense came out well. The defense came out. I mean, I would have liked to see the offense kind of capitalize a little bit and put that first drive into the end zone. That was – I'll be honest. I, well, I'll get into the offense here in a second. But I really felt like as a team, they started to really turn the corner today, Sean, because this is what Notre Dame is supposed to be, right? Like you are significantly better than BC. BC's not any worse than Stanford, y'all. They're not. But they came out today and treated them the way you're – when you're Notre Dame, you're supposed to treat that team. And they did it with physicality. They did it with with speed. They just overwhelmed them. And they played – here's the thing. In both sides of the ball, they played disciplined football, in my opinion. Like the only big play BC got was actually decent coverage by Tariq Bracey. It was a perfect pass to the, the a great receiver, right? And then what did they do a couple plays later? They picked it off and ended that only drive that they really had all game. So yeah. I thought this team emotionally came out ready to play. The veterans were locked in. The young kids looked like they were ready to play with their veterans. Yeah. I think emotionally, Sean, I was impressed. You know, you say, okay, you got to see what they do next week. But I feel like this team started to take a corner today by, you know, the whole, well, we didn't play to our level of competition. We, we played a bad team and we did to them what a really good team was supposed to do to a bad team. You know, 37 nothing ahead of time. Let me give you this stat, Sean. This is this is wild. Because again, the final stats were Notre Dame outgained BC 437 to 173. And it wasn't that close. Here was the halftime stat before we get to obviously what happened in the second half. Notre Dame outgained Boston College in the first half 336 to 81. Notre Dame had more rushing yards than BC had. Uh, total yards, 214 to 81. Notre Dame had more passing yards than BC had total yards, 122 to 81. 16 first downs, three for Boston College. Now, the yeah. defense gave Notre Dame short fields, but unlike the UNLV game, most yeah. of the opportunities, they turned those short fields into touchdowns. Uh-huh. Right? And yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. You're not going to punish the offense. they got short fields, right? They did what they needed to do, and, I mean – 
yeah, there's some things here we'll nitpick and, and all those type of things. You shouldn't have called two pass plays to the left, all that. But but this was the best we've seen the offense and the defense play. You know, take away the the, the quality of the opponent. Just look at the yeah. performance. Yeah. This was the best we've seen from both sides of the ball in a game uh, really all year because I felt the pass game was a little bit better this game than it was against Clemson. And that's why I'll say it. And, and you know, I, I thought this was the best rushing performance all season that we've seen when you take out the quality of the competition, which we'll get into again. Defensively, I thought they had a really good game plan. The Offensively, you know, pretty much a good game plan. This was a complete performance, Sean, and it's what you expect to see from a team like Notre Dame against a bad team like BC. And we hadn't seen that all year. So that was a yeah. very good thing to see for me. You're right. I love the way they came out. I love the focus. I thought the coaches and the, their approach were focused as well. And what you see from this team moving forward is a team that you feel pretty confident, regardless of the outcome this evening, out in California, is going to walk in and put forth a pretty good performance next mm-hmm. week. Win or lose. Win yeah. or lose. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what you want to see. Uh, I, I read reports of the scouts that were there the three bowls that were there to watch this team. And there was every opportunity for this team to kind of just play, not lackluster, but play. Like they have every other time they've played a bad team. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I get you right. They didn't give us a, I didn't, look, this team did not give us a mixed bag. No. They did not. If, if, if they were given permission to go ahead and pound, Boston College and put up 70, I, I, I pretty, feel pretty confident that they could have done that. I think Marcus Freeman showed mercy when they got the ball. I think it was like second and two or something down inside the 20-yard line, and they just kept running straight ahead. Like Marcus, Marcus Freeman didn't want to make Hatley look any worse, and he knew that if he had kept the dogs going, it, it probably could have been 60. Plus, you know, that's just how much better they were. And that's how bad BC was today. It would have happened anyway if they if it didn't snow. Yeah. Like, or, uh, say yeah. they at least would have put two more. It would have been like maybe 54, 58, right? But to your point, Sean, if he wanted to, he could have hung 70 on him today. Easy. If he wanted to. Easy. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. he didn't. Easy. Yeah. And they, could have done it. they could have done it running the ball. That's the right. crazy thing. Right. <laughs> they didn't have to throw it. They could have done it running the ball today, and that's what you want to see. I am, once again, Blake Fisher. Let me just say this. These seniors that we got to watch take the field for the last time in Notre Dame Stadium in this class, I think represented Notre Dame on, off the field, even through the up and downs of this season. I think the way they've held things together, the way they've spoken about each other, the way they've stuck up for each other, and just even Braden Lindsay, you know, this past week, not taking the bait on certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, just, and, you know, we kind of chuckled at his answer, you know, but taking a step back, we had respect for his answer because we knew, like, you know, and I think that goes to the top. And that's the most encouraging thing, Brian, right? We've been able to watch this head coach develop. And we've questioned 
things on the left. We've questioned things on the right. We like, yo, we've questioned things that he said. What did he mean? And at the end of the day, after the tough start, they go eight and one with an opportunity to make it nine and one on next weekend. And they're not going in. I don't care what Vegas says. I don't. I don't care what the point spread is. In my opinion, this is a pick 'em game. That's just the way I feel. If this Notre Dame team walks into that Coliseum, they're going to give USC problems. Yeah. They're going to give USC problems. Yeah. So that's all you can really ask, ask for. You know, uh, the doom and gloom after the 0-2 start. Mm-hmm. The doom and gloom after the Stanford loss. To be sitting here right now on November 19th. After this senior day with this performance against Boston College, you feel like it's the best. It's probably the best feeling Notre Dame fans outside of the Clemson game have had all year mm-hmm. about their team. Uh, maybe Clemson won, North Carolina two, this game 2A, right? Because this game was about handling success. Like, right. Bingo. Success. Yes. And it, and it finally came. Can you play the way they did against those teams when you don't have an external reason to play that way against a team like that? That's the key. There were external reasons to be fired up to play Ohio State. There were external Mm -hmm. reasons to be fired up to play North Carolina and BYU and Clemson. There was no external reason to be fired up for this game. They they got fired up because of the internal part. We're Notre Dame. We're going to do this. And that um, that was a welcome sight, Sean. Very welcome sight. I want to dive into the offense. Let's do it. Because I'm not going to lie to you, Sean. I thought on the after the first series, I was like, seriously, Tommy, are, are you going to make me? Are you going to make me come after you again? Like, really, we're we're going to do this? I was so frustrated because you're like, you first of all, why are you letting Drew Pine play with a glove on? A right, number two, uh, or B? Uh, why are you? Can you? Th- he doesn't throw the ball to the left very well. Right. And so you're throwing the ball to the left. You're having them roll out to the left. And I was just frustrated. Like You shouldn't have settled for a field goal there. Mm-hmm. You have Michael Mayer one on one. You should have run the ball, all these kind of things. After that, I thought, OK, this is what we wanted to see from Tommy Reese. We've seen in flashes and, and a couple things that I saw. Number one, what did we we kind of wrote about this before the game, right? What were some of the you look when you kind of break down the keys to the game? One of the first key was start fast. Check. They started fast, right? Even though they settled for a field goal, you still went right down the field. You ripped off a big play. You did some things. You got Mayor involved in a shovel pass, which I actually really liked that call. I like that. Way. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, you kind of go down and do that. I thought that uh, what was what was number two, st- uh, key number two, we talked about this, get the tight end and running back pass game going. And they did that. We talked about the number check number three or key number three is mix up the run game. And not we talked about having having a variety of play calls, mm-hmm. talked about using different personnel groupings, using 21 more in the run and pass game. And we saw that. We saw them go 31 personnel with three backs in the field, and guess what happens? Wheel route comes wide open to Logan Diggs. Drew Pine shows good patience, letting that route come open. We saw them run a to- couple toss plays. We saw them run jet sweeps because we said – before the game, Sean, you gotta get the ball outside. BC is gonna be loading the box. People said you're just gonna see BC repeat what Boston, what Navy did, and BC 
to a degree, tried to do that early, Sean. They were crashing off the edge, stunting up the middle. And and but Tommy had a good game plan. They were running jet sweeps. They ran a toss sweep, and they got in the second quarter and got like twenty six yards out of it. Right now, all of a sudden, when you hit a couple outside, you hit a jet sweep outside. You hit a couple. You hit a couple. Uh, you know, was it? Uh, I think they ran a, it a handoff to Renzo Styles in the second half. I love seeing that. There was just a lot of things. We were getting the ball. You're at bootlegs with Drew Pine getting out of the pocket where you were saying, hey, you can crash up the middle all you want, but we're going to get the ball outside. And once they start getting the ball outside, then all of a sudden the run game inside, he opens up even more than it did. And so I thought, and then we said strong third quarter was the was the the, the final one. Look, mm-hmm. they went down and put their first drive in the end zone. After that, I, you know, I'm not faulting them for the second half, right? Like, they did what they needed to do in the third quarter. They went out, got a touchdown early, and you know, after that, it's like, okay, I mean, what what am I supposed to do, Sean? Right? I mean, it's I couldn't see the field. Uh, you know what I mean? Like first time they didn't touch the ball, they went right down the field, scored a touchdown, put the game away. All right, all four things checked, and I thought the the diversity of the run game was really encouraging, Sean. I loved it. We saw them going 11 personnel and running the ball. We saw them going 21 personnel and running the ball and throwing the ball. We saw them go 31 personnel. This is what that I would love to see him do more of. So, so I mean, look, I, I call for it. I complain about it, and he gives it to me, and I got to say, Rudge, great job, dude. I mean, like, you got 37 points in the first half. Yeah. You know, a couple mistakes here and there you could have made. Maybe I don't like this call or execute that play. But, I mean, you got 37 on a, in the first half on a Power 5 team. This isn't UNLV. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought – I thought if people say he called a good game, it goes beyond that. You can't call a good game if you don't put a good plan together beforehand. And I've always said this. you got to be able to do it Monday to Friday. Right. And so not only was the game plan good, not only was the play calling good, but this is one of the most quality execution games we've seen in a lot of different ways. Now, it was part of that's the opponent, right? But they, they we've seen them play as bad or worse opponents, yes. right? Stanford's a worse defense than Boston College, yeah. and they didn't do any of this. This is why I was so encouraged. So it's like, man, if if, if Coach Reese can do this this next two games, I'm I'm I can't wait till the next couple of games. I mean, seriously. So. I, you know, some of the pass game stuff too, Sean, I liked. They got the ball to the perimeter. They ran some play action. They ran a flood concept, that third and six to Mayer on the deep out cut. They yeah. actually ran a flood. They had a go route and then an underneath route, and then F- Mayer ran like a corner route, so they ran a flood concept. It's hard to cover that the way that they were – the way teams played Notre Dame, it's hard to cover that flood concept when Notre Dame runs it out of a three-by-one alignment, which they did. I thought that was impressive. And, you know, there's some things you like to see from Drew Pine. He's got to play better. You know, we'll kind of get to that. But, Sean, do you see it the same way I did? Great game plan. Team was ready to execute that game plan, and the play calling just kept – BC could just – BC had no clue what was coming next from from Tommy in this game. The only thing for me that was – that I was watching this game, the only thing for me that was just like, oh, and I had to stop myself, you you kids, we have to stop coming out of timeouts getting penalties, procedural penalties. Like, what – what are we that for a senior? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you that has happened so many times this year? Come yes. out of a timeout, call a timeout, come out of a timeout, penalty. Mm-hmm. It's like, and once again, we talked about it last week. It's not the young players, it's your leaders. That's the yeah. only thing that I could that's the yeah. only thing in this game 
while I was watching it, that made me say, oh, come on, man. Other than that, it was really, I felt like I was watching um, something that was scripted, right? Like if you want to send your day to develop and play out beautifully for everyone involved, the fan base, the coaches, the players, the program, the school, and it just be magical in the Midwest, it went exactly the way you would want it to go if you wrote it out as a story. Jump out early, dominate. The only thing it was missing was another pump block. And I yeah. Did. And then wait a minute, we even had a moment though. I stood up. I thought Matt Salerno was about to take one yes. back. He <laughs> tripped. He tripped. <laughs> I was like, take it, go, go. Yeah, I thought I thought we were gonna see that. He tried to hit that cut, and he just he just missed yeah. it. Yeah, he, he just missed it. Balance. Yeah, he got me up off my couch. It was really just – it was an enjoyable game. And yeah. it's re- there's really nothing to nitpick about. Um, like I said, you'll get into it. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to nitpick about. How about this dude jumps in a chat and immediately puts himself in the number one spot, just comes <laughs> in all late, just immediately – I get thrown to the bottom. This dude oh. puts himself in number one. You don't understand. You, you're the foundation. you got to hold us up. <laughs> Well spoken, Vince. Well See what spoken. I did there? Absolutely. Well played, Vince. Well played. Well played. Well played. But yeah, Sean. I, I look uh, again. I, I I think what the first half showed is this is a coach, a, a, a team that understands who they are. And they haven't always done that this year. They haven't always played like a team that knew who they were, and I think that's a big thing. And who they are. They're a team with a great offensive line that played mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. The holes they were running through today were enormous. It was a team that has really talented tight ends and they know it. A team that has really talented running backs and they know it. And they have wide receivers that, if used correctly, are nice compliments yeah. to the other guys. And they played like it. That to me, you know, the game, but to, this was the first time all year I really felt like we saw Coach Reese. Make all of it. Now, in fairness, I was told we would have seen some different stuff with the receivers in Clemson if it wasn't for the wind, right? Like we were going to see a little bit more use of them if it wasn't for the wind. So in fairness, but the reality is this is the most balanced that we've seen game plan wise from Tommy Reese, where you could see he had all three skill positions as part of we got to get these guys to football in these ways. And I thought that was really encouraging, you know, because again, they executed like crazy, but we always say coaches got to put kids in position to execute. And I thought this was the best game plan from coach Reese in that an entire understanding of who his team is. And today was the most of you got to understand who your quarterback is. And we saw that today as well, in my opinion. That's something you've been asking for, right, Brian? Like get him comfortable. Right. Get him comfortable, right. make him feel comfortable, give him things that can give him success. And, you know, he throws better to the right than he does to the left for the most part. On short stuff, especially. Yeah. yeah. And like he said, the motion stuff, bringing Mayor across on the shovel passes or the quick passes and just using the running game in different ways. You and Vince have been harping on that since, what, week one against mm-hmm. Ohio State? June. Like, 
Run different <laughs> ways, 21 personnel, right. 31 personnel, right. wheel routes. You would see it, but then it was almost like he would take it and put it behind his back yeah. and hide it from you. And right. then, you know, like, did I really see that? So yeah. today was really, as I said before, to echo what you said, just one of the best days of execution that we've seen yeah. from this Notre Dame offense. Yeah. It, it really was. It and really Vin- was. And Vince. I truly believe that you could have run for a hundred yards behind this line today. Like I don't truly I mean, believe I, that, but like I'd have been out of this breath, was a yes. I, I was Coach Freeman after the game. I was told said that we beat the out of Boston College, and they did. I they mean, did. it was a physical. Uh, you know, I mean, they just they physically yeah destroyed. Boston College up in yeah. the trenches, it, it, yeah. especially it the was, offense. And and you could tell Marcus Freeman was happy about it because when yeah. he had no idea how many yards they rushed for, he's like, "What what what did we rush for? About 150, 160? And then somebody <laughs> told him it was like two eighty or whatever, whatever the number was. Bro, they had he's over like, two hundred in the first half. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he goes, he's like, that, that's running the football right there. Like, like he was like super proud of himself that they ran the ball so well, and he yeah. and he was all braggadocious about his team, which is awesome. I mean that. That was – I know that he wants to be a run-first football team, and, you know, he wants to stop the run. He wants to run the ball, all of that. Well, welcome to this game because that's exactly what this team did. I mean, the, the elements obviously helped in that, no doubt about it. But they ran the ball with efficiency. I mean, how many times did we see, Brian, the right side or the left side just collapse the entire defense – and then the running back was just like, okay, here I go. Like, I mean, just absolutely collapse the defense. Yeah. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was just fun to watch, frankly. Yeah. And and like you said, big picture, this team was ready to play today. You know, this yeah. team was ready to play, and they played four quarters. They played four quarters yeah. of football, and that was yeah. the next step, frankly. Right? Yes. Play four quarters against a team that you are markedly better than at every position. You needed to play four quarters and put them away, and that's exactly what they did. They went yeah. out, they put a touchdown on the board in the second half, and then and then they took their foot off the gas. And you know what? That's okay. But took, they I'd say they, the I, game. They controlled well, the game, though. Took their foot off the gas, play calling wise. But here's what I liked right. about it, Vince, because I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. Because they, Sean and I talked about this for they were clearly not trying to run the score up. But here's the thing, though. Agreed. It they didn't lose physicality after that, and that was the thing no. that you'd see from Coach Kelly's teams. And I don't mean this right. disrespectfully. It's like when you took the foot off the gas. No, I really don't. It's just because it, it's not an easy thing to do as a coach when you stop right. calling the plays that are not designed to kind of keep going down the field and scoring more and more and more, it's yeah. understandable that young people aren't as locked in. What I, And so, again, that, that's not meant to be a shot on Coach Kelly. It's more of it says a lot about how this team came into this game and how this team is kind of rounding into form and how they responded from last week's game, right, in that, yes, the play calling wasn't as aggressive. They On either side, they weren't calling as many blitzes. They weren't you know, throwing the ball as much. They weren't doing some things at work, but they never lost intensity. That's yeah. the key. Absolutely. I didn't love the play call to Chris Tyree on fourth and short. I don't mind running to Chris Tyree, but you got to give like, you know, you got to give right. wider spaces or, you know I mean, I didn't love, but again, you know, a nitpick here and there, but the physicality never went away. That's yeah. what I'm referring to is yeah. when they, when they took their foot off the gas play calling wise, they never took their foot off the gas in intensity. 
And that's the challenge as a football coach is because you don't want to just keep running the score up, running jet sweeps to Michael Mayer when you're up 44 to nothing, right? Like that's like, come on, man, you know, running 31 wheel routes to Logan. You can't keep doing that. It, but the challenge as a coach is can you get them to still play with intensity and focus? They didn't last week. They did today. That's growth, especially with what we saw last week. So sure. that's the thing I was really impressed with, Vince, because you're correct. They did take their foot off the gas from a play calling standpoint. But right, man, but it was impressive it to purpose. see that they didn't. The, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They did it with purpose. I agree. Exactly. I'd be curious if there was something mm-hmm. said like, you know, hey, look, we're finishing. I don't you know what the play calling is, but we're finishing. I thought that I, you know, I'd be curious about that, man, because that that Sean, you know, again is a and, and you know, they put the backups in. Yeah. And we've seen in the past where the backups and we didn't see. I'm going to ask some people about the Steve Angeli thing because I'm wondering if they don't understand the rule about the, about the bowl games. <laughs> the bowl games like i'm serious like perhaps they don't because i was my understanding is that they've changed the rule where bowl games don't count as your four oh i thought they did count i thought that i thought somebody told me they recently changed the rule to see that was going to be my my question if the bowl game counts as the bowl game counts as um a game this is what i want to find out then if you play him today and if something happens to drew pine next week and he gets hurt and then jelly has to play that game in the bowl game he loses eligibility Exactly. Which is maybe why you should have force fed him into the Syracuse game for no reason whatsoever. So, but again, that's the tricky part. You don't know that you're going to get today. So I'm going to, I'm going to look into that rule part and see if it see I what would, the specific rule is. I would say that Notre Dame believes that the bowl game is part of it. And here's my Correct. reason why Jalen Sneed played for the first time last week. They right? pulled Michael Mayer put in. Yeah. Right. Right. Jalen Sneed played for the first time. Jabron Payne played for the first time last week. And that would, be, would be four, four games. games. Right including the bowl right. game. So to me, if that is in fact a rule, yes. Yeah. Right. Right. If that's the rule, then I understand why Steve Angeli didn't play. Right. But the, the point is correct. Cause you don't want to burn this kid's eligibility. Right. You, you know There's I mean? No you point. should have thought about that before you put him in against, you know, maybe put him in against uh, Syracuse or whatever. But the thing about it though, is, is when they put the backups in Sean, the backups on offense and defense didn't lose intensity either. And we see that a lot, right? We see that where the young guys come in and they don't – man, I'll tell you what, the backups, not that they played harder, but they matched, I thought, the intensity of yeah. the starters yeah. in this game. Absolutely. Sean, I mean, that to me was – you. and I'll say, say Sean, I'm going to kick this to you. I'll kick this to you. We saw a glimpse into the future with that number 17 running around. You saw 17 and 20 today. Kind of making you say, like, uh-oh, this defense is about hey, to have some speed. Well, we yeah. have been asking for guys that move different, yeah. athletes, and attitude. The play that Jason Onge got the face mask, Jalen Sneed came out of no, just hit the dude, stood up, talked to him, whatever he said, let him know. And then he comes back and a few plays later, like on the outside and just, and like you said, he moves different. Like when those type of guys like that jump on the field, I don't care if they're backups or starters, you See. better recognize. I, I think for me, Nolan Ziegler moved different yeah. when I was watching him for a short and he's time. Long. He's long. That dude is long. Absolutely. And it's like, okay, they are going to be so good at a position that I think we have lamented in certain respects the last couple of years, right? And we don't have to go in depth about it, but it's like, okay, 
like the level has gone up from a length and speed standpoint at that position. And it's going to be a glimpse of the future. But I'll go. It's unfortunate because on defense, when you come in as a backup, the other team is trying to score, right? Mm -hmm. So you're matching intensity. When you come in as an offensive lineman and you're really not calling plays to really score, it's, it's not the same, but you still saw the young, the backup offensive lineman playing just as hard, giving mm -hmm. as much energy. And I just really think because it was good to see Jabron Payne get a couple of runs, but the conditions were so bad, he really couldn't, you know, no one no, could he couldn't really make cuts. He's got a he's got some nice uh, agility. Yeah, you can't you yeah, can, yeah, he really couldn't see anything. So those are things that offensively you might not be able to see from some of the backups. Well, on defense, when they're no matter what, they're trying to stop the other team from scoring. Like you can really see the evidence of that energy that you were talking about. But I think the energy by the backups as a whole was absolutely fantastic. The energy of the entire team today was absolutely just fantastic. It was just absolutely fantastic. So I'm I'm amped. At halftime, I was like, okay, can we just fly to LA like right now? Like for two reasons, Sean. One is to play, two is I want to get out of the snow. Right. So <laughs> just be, be healthy. Just get everybody to LA next week so we yeah. can go ahead and match up with USC. Yeah. But um but Sean, that's the thing, though, when you recruit, though, right, is when you get into the game, when you put those young bucks in the game, they may not always know what they're doing. They may not need to. But you know what, though? They're going to look different, though. Yeah. That, that's the thing. They're going to look different. And that's that's where you want to be, right? I mean. But then it was the. They know, put a walk on in at middle linebacker at the end of the game. I know. And that cat was playing hard. You know what I mean? Like hard. 46. I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but this cat yeah. is. This cat's. This cat's trying to win a Heisman right now. Like, I, you just love hey, it. It just says a lot Heisman about where moment, this team's man. headspace is. No, man, like, it just says a lot moment. about where this team's headspace is, though, right? Yeah. Like, that yeah. kid, that kid, we've seen walk-ons get in the game in the past, and it's like, this kid, I just hope this kid doesn't hurt himself. Right? Like, that's right. the kind of thing. Like, but these kids were getting in the game, and they were like, hey, let me go make a play. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, let me go do something right here. Let me, and, and you're like, man, even their walk-ons, you know, are getting after now. I, it just, I don't mean that disrespect, but this kid's been running the other team's defense all year. Yeah. Right. That's right. my point. And yeah, you, you, you the energy though, the energy right. from the starters on the sideline, no right. one was sitting on the bench or didn't at least some from the TV vantage point. I saw starters standing up, giving the same energy to the backups, like right. cheering them on, just like the backups yeah. have done for them all year. And that was fantastic to see, to see the starters or the seniors, it was their day, and they were giving it as much as the program, the fans, and everyone wanted to give it to them to send right. them out the right way. It was just a fantastic environment, man. It really was just to watch. You guys were there. It had to be um, an energy just to feel. I wouldn't compare it probably to the Clemson game. because that was Well, totally yeah, it, the crowd wasn't as big. Right. And people, I'll tell you and, what. And, and it left. I'll tell you what, though. Quickly. There was a lot more people in that stadium at the beginning than I thought there was going to be. Like there was yeah, empty seats, right? Because yes. it was it was eighteen degrees. But uh, I mean, I, wa I watched what the Michigan crowd looked like at the beginning, and again, bigger stadium, but also more in-state fans. And uh, it, there was a lot more people in there. You know, the biggest, the most empty section in the stadium was the BC section. There was almost nobody in their section. But if you look at the other aim sections, there was a lot of people there. 
Um, I want to get back to something else too, guys, here real quick on the offense before we move on. Well, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Sure. Yeah, BC, go, go. The BC thing might have been travel because that area is good. No, like, I, I get it. No, yeah, I, I get it. No, I can I mean, because Buffalo, I mean, you're having all that yeah. stuff. If you didn't get out yeah. earlier in the week, you're not getting out. You're not right? getting out. Like, yeah. you're, you're not. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and I mean, you leave in snow, land in snow. It just you know, I I'm I'm no no issue with the BC people. It's just an observation with it. But a lot more fans there. They were they were loud. They were energetic, and the team gave them reason to be. We always say this. You know why the right. team why, why the crowd doesn't always get loud is because the team doesn't often give them reason to. <laughs> this team gave them about. reason to today, and yeah, I thought the crowd exactly. responded well. I mean, you know, and, and so. I think you just saw you saw the energy really, Sean, everywhere. You saw it with the players. You saw it on the sideline. You saw it in the crowd, and it was yeah. just a fun place to be. I want to talk about the offense just a little bit before we get out there because we talked about the play of the offense line. You know, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about Drew's performance tomorrow. And upon further view, I just think it'll make sense to see some of that kind of stuff. You know, he looked he made some really nice gritty third down throws. Missed some stuff. His anticipation still not great. His depth in the pocket still not great, which caused him some problems. But he also made some talk about third down plays. You talk about the glove. we did. I, I just said I don't have a clue why. I mean, you can see he had no he had no ability to throw the ball with that glove. Zero. On. I don't know what that he was thinking. Come on. Anyway, Come on. but uh, but he made some clutch third down throws in the game. He had the third and nine to Deion Coles. It's almost like if it's third and long, you're almost like, well, y'all might want to guard sixteen on this play because that's where the ball's going. I mean, and he uh, thread the needle between like three defenders on that first third down conversion to Colsey. It's yeah. like, okay, right. well, apparently so, I mean, third down Drew, is Drew wasn't down. great. Drew wasn't great today by any stretch. And there's right. a lot his game's mm-hmm. got to get better at. But when he needed to make a play today, he made plays. Mm-hmm. The wheel yeah. route to you, you talk about the third and the third and sixth throw to Mayer for the big play, which is huge. You talk about the wheel route to Logan Diggs. You know, there's some things I want to see, but for the most part, I was really, you know, he did what he needed to do. Can we talk about this backfield though, fellas? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, my buddy texted Lord me have in mercy. the middle of the game. Man, next year this backfield's going to be sick. I go, it's pretty sick right now. Like, yeah, next year. Like, what I are mean, you talking about next year? <laughs> pretty sick right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it just you. I'll say the first thing that no that I that I noticed was Logan Diggs has been really good this year, right? Like that's not a that's not a shock. He's been a he's been a good football player this year. But I got to tell you guys, he ran with a little bit of extra purpose today. Yeah, and and that he was he was getting downhill hard, like hard. Like it's fine that oh, yeah. the old line blocked great, but that doesn't. He was getting down with with intensity and purpose early in that game, fellas. Yeah, and he was hitting the hole just a little bit quicker than he had the last you know the the last game, and then like Clemson game he was that way. But outside of that, it's like doesn't quite get downhill with the same purpose. He was get he did that today, fellas. I thought he ran great. I thought Audric ran great. Tyree ran great when when given the opportunity, like stuff that he can do. And here's the biggest difference in this run game and others. Oh, something else I thought, you know, Lorenzo Styles has been having a really tough time catching the football. A really tough time catching the football. Mm-hmm. So Tommy Reese does what? He gives him two basically handoffs where you're letting the kid get some go- get he has two rushes for 27 man. yards. Yeah. Where you're saying, hey, we got to get this kid mentally in it. So what do you do? You give him two handoffs. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't have to drop that and and get and he responded. So it's, that's something we didn't talk about that I thought was a, a smart thing to do because they got to get that kid's header. I don't know what he's going to do in the offseason. I have no clue. But right now they need this kid to win their next two games. He, he's too good not to be a factor. 
Yeah. And so I thought that was smart. I liked that. I, I thought that was a big part of it. Um, but I got to tell you, man, just this backfield, and, and there's a lot more they could do with the running backs in the past game. But I got to tell you, man, like you saw a little bit of a glimpse today. You saw a little glimpse two weeks ago in Clemson when when these when this backfield is being used correctly, meaning in inside, outside, pass yes. game, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better trio than this group. Again, Texas has a great one-two punch. Other teams have really good one-two punches. But there's not many teams that can put three cats into the game that can do the damage this group can do. And they do it – everyone does it a little bit differently – and I felt like today we saw Coach Reese do a better job of using that. He still doesn't use Chris Tyree effectively, but you're not going to build a brand new concept for your number three running back. We could argue whether he should or should be. It doesn't matter. But I thought getting the ball outside to Logan Diggs is smart because that's Logan's good at that. He's got great vision. You know, he's that kind of kid that you run a toss sweep to, let it develop, and he's going to find that hole and get it. Where Audric is more of a between the tackles guy. Yeah. You know, and and so if they can build on that, that's another thing, Vince, that I thought was really good is when we talked a little bit about this earlier, but the backs played incredibly well. I think the thing that, that was different about this run game than others is this run game was more chunks and more big plays than we've seen. And that's something we haven't seen from this run game, even when they've been really good. They averaged 7.4 yards per, per rush today. That includes a two-yard run to Mitchell Evans on a quarterback sneak, a five, you know, two point five yards per carry in, in fourth quarter garbage time to to uh, to Jerron Payne. When you look at what they've done earlier in the year, I mean, they three two five three five three six five six five two four four against uh, five two against BYU five six against North Carolina four seven against UNLV four four against Syracuse five six against Clemson, and then today you come out seven four. And and I think that was a positive sign too. And and again, this is not a great Boston College rush defense, but it's not this bad. You know, they've had three games this year where they gave up over 200 yards rushing, yeah. and the most yards per carry they've given up this year is five seven. That was to Duke a couple weeks ago, who's got a pretty mobile quarterback. Notre Dame went for seven four and two eighty one. Both the most the most they had given up in a game prior to this was two thirty two and five point seven. And today they went 281 and 74 a carry. That's that's a really strong performance. And it was a combination of this was a do- physically dominant performance from the line, Sean. Yeah. But also I th- I loved the way that all three backs were given early. It's not like Tyree got his touches late. They were all three getting touches early yep. in the game. Yeah. I thought yeah. I loved it. Loved it. And it was just a game of opposites, right? Aldrick bouncing it outside multiple times. Logan running tough inside. That third and 11. Chris Tyree scoring right up the middle on the duo. That third and 11 run that Logan Diggs had was just, you know, he makes contact with the kid like six yards and just drags him another four or five yards. Yeah, like you said, Vince, just a a man. Just ran like a man. So his toughness, he's, look, you know, well, we know where he's come from to get to this point. And it looks like he's really having fun. Logan Diggs looks like he's having fun playing football at Notre Dame. Yep. Yeah, and absolutely. That's really good to know. That's really good to watch because it's, it's, it's been tough for him. It's been a His journey. transition was not easy it, from No, Louisiana. it wasn't. It right. wasn't. And that's – Look, man, that's what college is all about. 
you know, learning yourself and, and overcoming that right. obstacles and getting better. And he is the true example of the college experience at Notre Dame. And to see the fruit and the positives start to come forth for him is just absolutely, you have to feel wonderful for him and uh, his family and his teammates because, you know, it just goes to show what this football program is all about mm-hmm. and how it builds more than great football players. Yeah. I, I want to say something real quick, guys, uh, just before we wrap up the offense here. Miami today had 98 yards of offense against Clemson, 98 yards of total offense against Clemson. Notre Dame had 283 rushing yards against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Miami had 98 total That's yards bad. of offense. That's pretty bad. I'm trying to figure out how they got 10 points. Uh, let's see here. Okay, they had a 10-yard scoring drive, so it was, came after some kind of – something Turnover. happened. Turnover, long return, something like that. Let's see if we can figure out how Miami got that. It was after a uh, fumble. Okay, so it was after a fumble. So let's talk about the defense, guys. Uh, there was a couple calls today by Al Golden that I didn't like, Vince. You, you, you and I talked about this at the time. I hated that third and eight call where they dropped eight. I'm like, you've been heating them up all game. Like, you might as well stuck, stick with it. And there's a couple times I the very next play, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't <laughs> like the you know not giving Tariq Bracey any help on Zay Flowers. But other than that, I really liked the game plan from Al Golden, right? Because you, you run the risk of overheating them up because their O-line stinks. I thought he was aggressive, but not out of control. I thought he mixed up his pressures inside stunts, edge pressures with backers, edge pressures with his secondary. You know, we saw uh, Tariq Bracey come off the edge early. We saw the late sack from Xavier Watts. I thought the game plan was was really good. I thought it was aggressive. They allowed the D-line to dominate, but also then trigger guys that really just never let BC's quarterback get comfortable. And and you saw that. After that, after a couple early throws, Vince, he just, outside of the one throw to Zay Flowers, this is a kid who threw for over 300 right. yards last week against the number 16 team in the country. He never looked comfortable ever because of right. the, the the way that they pressured well, today. And the difference is for this defense specifically is the front gets pressure. They may not always get the sack. Now I think they ended up with what four today. Right. They may not always get the sack. But I'll but tell what you do what we always say about that, man. To your point, he he never looked comfortable, and there was a secondary that made him pay for it. Right. Yeah. Right. It, there, it was it was a it was a team effort defensively because pressure, pressure, pressure. We're going to make you pay for it if you release the ball. And there was a couple of times he shouldn't have released the ball, but did, and he paid for it, right? Right. That's team defense. You know, you can't yes. put it all on the front to sack a guy. You can't put it all in the secondary to guard for seven seconds, right? Because, Vince, you you've said this before. The first INT was an example of why it's not always good to get a sack. Right. I mean, right, Vince? If, if they get a sack 100%. there, it's a point. Yes. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. It's not a turnover like it was. So yeah, Can, I mean, absolutely. And and of course, of course, Benjamin Morrison played a great game, but can I ask you all a question? Vince, I'm going to ask you this question. Sean, I'm going to ask you this too. <laughs> I know what you're going to ask. What was ahead. your boy McNulty thinking? Did he not watch film with his team? What, what got into his mind saying, let's throw at number 20. No, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you. I truly believe these coaches watch film and they, in their minds, see near misses. 
They see they see yeah. near misses where guys are yeah. behind Benjamin Morrison and the ball was just a little bit overthrown or thrown short or too much to the outside and it was incomplete. And they say, if my guy can just make the throw, we can actually take advantage of this kid. I, that's that's the only thing that could be in their minds, right? Yeah. The only thing. You watch you watch the Syracuse game and you say, okay, okay, he gave up the touchdown. Sure. You saw this. And you, and right, you, you don't have a Ronde Gats in the second on your team. And you had you surmised that yeah. your quarterback with your best receiver, Zay right. Flowers, a pretty darn good receiver. But they didn't, they didn't go after him with Zay Flowers. They I were know. going after him with other dudes. With Tariq and other dudes, right. So, look, the kid continues to – the amount of confidence that he – forget next season. He ends the season – He'll go through practices for the bowl game. The amount of confidence he's going to have by the time the bowl game gets here, is you well, might as well cut the field in half. You just just cut it in half. Like, I don't care who they play. Throw the other way. Right. Just throw the other way. Right. So it is becoming – it's almost like watching the special teams, like with the pump blocks. Like, again? Right. Three, he, How are you not more prepared for that? Right. His, I've never seen, I have to think, I have to really dig. He's so technically sound yeah. and efficient. aware of the right. You talk about it all the time. There are a lot of athletes, but how many football players do right. you have on your roster? You can have a right. bunch of guys that can run, jump, right. long as heck. But how many football players? This this young man is a football player that happens to be a heck of an athlete. He, and that combination—he is, is a combination of the two 2018 corners. He has Julian Love's technical savviness and ball skills and feel yeah. for the game, and Troy Pride's athleticism. Maybe not the pure raw speed, four four flat speed, right. but he's plenty fast. Yeah, right. but he's extremely athletic and he's long. Yeah, and I just don't understand why teams continue to go at him. It just well, doesn't make sense. Go ahead, Vince. It's because of what you brought up when you were writing your – I think you were writing your uh, defensive observations, right? You said, man, was this Cam Hart's best game, best half? It was the halftime thing, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that they keep going to Benjamin Morrison yeah. because – But if Cam you're Hart watching film – yeah, yeah. You know what if I'm saying, If you're watching film, like, though, right. Yeah, yeah. They got a bunch I don't want to be the – I don't want this to be the game that Cam Hart figures it out against me and my team. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, right. They're I going away from Cam Hart. They, Zay Flowers that, didn't have a great game today in big time. Do goes to Cam Hart right. because he was the one covering him most of the time. Well, the big first play of all, was against Gracie. Right. And, and let's be real about that big play too. Tariq was in really good position. That was a great Agreed. ball. That Absolutely. was a great ball. And Sometimes Zay did gotta, a great job of accelerating you know. at the end. Right. So exactly. Sure. Somebody's got a tip of the cap. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. But Cam Hart, Cam wasn't like tested and coverage a lot. Although I'll Vince, you made a you made this point during the game. If JD Bertrand doesn't kind of tip that, kind of get in the way of that pass, I think Cam might have picked that off. He had beat that I guy with the you. ball. Yes. But his open field tackling, because one thing we said during the week is Zay is dangerous because they'll use him vertically, they'll use him on crossing routes and things like that. They had a Zay Flowers game plan today. And then the other thing is they'll get him in space. 
Yep. And Cam Hart had two huge stops on him in space. One completely in space. And the thing he did that was so well is Zay caught the ball and Cam attacked his outside shoulder. And so Zay couldn't outrun him outside because Cam was right there. And then when he cut inside, Cam immediately squeezed. But then Zay sees all the, the per, inside pursuit was excellent on that as well. As soon as they saw the ball go outside, they flew outside. And yep. Cam was really good on the perimeter because stuff that we've seen work against everybody else <laughs> with Zay Flowers wasn't mm-hmm. working today. And huge, huge kudos to the Notre Dame corners because they basically – Al Golden – you know, part of me questioned it because you gave up the one deep throw, but then as you saw the game evolve, you're like, okay, well, BC couldn't go back to it. Is Al Golden said, we're not going to change who we are for Boston College, meaning oh, yeah. we're going to let our kids go play, go cover. We're going to let our corners cover. We're not going to play too high and, you know, you know, double cover this dude. We didn't double cover anybody in Ohio State. We didn't go, double cover Josh Downs. We're not going to double cover Zay Flowers. He let his dudes go out there and compete, and they rewarded him for it. Because even that, again, that one play with Tree Bracey, I don't know what you could have told Tree Bracey on that one. He was actually in pretty good position, I felt. It happened right in front of us on, on the sideline, Vince. But then what happens a couple plays later? They try to go at, at – uh, Adam, and then because Notre Dame will play a lot more cover two to the boundary than they do to the field, and it's not. I don't even. I wouldn't even say it's cover two, Vince, because you're letting Benjamin Morrison play man, but they'll have that safety get off the hash, and Benjamin Morrison plays it perfectly. And the only drive they really had, and when the game was even remotely in doubt, where they crossed midfield was that play where they hit the 39 yard bomb to Zay on third down. Yeah, and then the drive ends with Benjamin Morrison picking the dude off in the end zone. Right, because he played it perfectly. The ability, because Sean, this goes back to what you said: being a great football player. Yeah. Okay. Athletically, he was hip to hip with Joseph Griffin, just coasting with him. Great position. You're on that backside hip, but you're you're tight enough to where you know you're right there with him. But then the awareness to then turn, find the ball while not losing the receiver, and then making a play on the ball against a six four guy because he couldn't lead him. Benjamin knew he had help. He couldn't lead him because then the safety comes over top and picks it off. Right. Great positioning by by Benjamin and just a, a, a great play. I don't know what you did there, old Vince. Just a great play uh, <laughs> by this, by, uh, you know, a great call. So that's something I actually liked. Going in, I kind of wanted him to have, a you know, a Zape Flowers plan that was a little bit more double him high-low. They had a Zay Flowers plan where they actually used the linebackers on Zay. So like when he would run crossers, they were really keying on him and not letting him, you know, flying underneath stuff and all that. But that's kind of within who they are. He didn't go away from who they are. And, and I, and I like, I like, you know, like looking back, I I liked it because he's done that all year. I'm going to trust my dudes. And can we say something else, fellas? I forgot to say this, Vince, we talked during the week, the hardest adjustment to make for the triple option is not the week leading up to the triple option game. It's the week coming out. This team did a phenomenal job yes. of bouncing back from playing the triple option to getting back to playing yep. pro style football. And it was immediate, yep. immediate, right? Cause this wasn't like the Marshall game where they forced a three and out and had two incompletions, but the dudes were open and they missed them. No, they weren't open. They weren't open. They had him. They had him on lockdown. There's a couple of times where he missed. Where I'm like, why did he throw it there? Because if he throws it in front, the ball's getting picked off. Or if right. he throws, you know what I mean? Like he hadn't he had nowhere to go. That's something else too, Vince. That we saw is the ability to quickly get past the triple option. So they killed two narratives completely. 
murdered, oh, yeah. buried, like rest <laughs> in peace. You know, uh, today was the post Navy thing, and then the Senior Day thing. Like, yeah, those are dead. yeah, those are dead. That, those are gone. They haven't been bad on Senior Day in what six years? Something That's like what, that. Yeah, we're, yeah. Oh well, the, the only other Maybe time more. was 2017 Navy because they were coming out. They were coming out of the right. Miami game. The Miami game so was five. the week before where they got killed. Yeah, so it's 2017. Yeah. yeah. In 2016, they were bad always. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. First oh, game, second game, third game, game last right. game. It, it doesn't matter. matter. It sucked. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so. so yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah that one, that one's gotta be dead. We got to put that one away. It's like Sean and I were talking in the pregame show about remember when it was a narrative that Notre Dame stunk in November? Like, remember that when remember when right. that was a thing? Like, that's mm-hmm. not a thing anymore. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and Kelly squashed that in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And right. playing poorly on senior day. That's not a thing anymore. Okay. And playing poorly coming out of the Navy game. Not a thing. Right. Can, can Marcus Freeman get his team up for a game that, you know, is a lesser opponent? I think two games in a row, he's got him up. This game, it was the whole game. Right. But right. he had him, they had them prepared to play in the first half in both games. So I think that one you kind of check off at this point, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we obviously look forward to next week and we get excited about what the possibilities are there. But this week, he took care of business, man. As the coach, he had his team prepared. Right. And he is evolving into the head coach that I think we all want him to be. I don't, he's not mm-hmm. perfect. He's never going to be perfect. But, you know, he's getting on the refs. He's coaching up. He's going for the jugular. He's using his timeouts properly. Like he is doing what he's supposed to do. As a head coach. Now, personally, I wish it would happen a little earlier, but we've seen that over the last few games, and it's it's great to see. And so he's checking a lot of boxes for me right now. A yeah. lot of boxes, which is great. Sean, any other thoughts from the defense? I, I think what we saw, too, is the linebackers. But I'll tell you this, dude. We saw how as much as people gave him a hard time, understandably, because he didn't play well early in the year. But we see we have seen in the last month how important JD Bertrand is this defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're a different defense when he plays. Because yes. let's not forget something else, too, fellas. They held Boston College to what did I say it was? Like 117 total yards of offense. Yeah. Was was that what it was? And I'm looking at it now. And I think they had give me just one second. 117 yards of total offense. And they did that without Jason Adamiola, without Brandon Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, in this game as well, uh, Jason Adamiola uh, got a concussion during the week, and they held him out. He wanted to play, but they held him out. So you had you had two of your better veterans, two of your better players didn't even play in this game, guys. Mm-hmm. And so Jason Adamiola is out. Yeah, so Jason Adamiola is out. So what happens early in the game? Howard Cross steps up and dominates. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Smith steps up and dominates. Yeah. Right, like you know that that was a big thing. The safety play was really good today. You know, and and or I'd say I wouldn't say good. It was sound because that's all they needed it to be. The safeties really weren't challenged or whatever. And I didn't think, guys, I didn't think the D line played like great. They were just kind of like good across the board, and that had led to them being really, really good as a unit. Like I didn't think yeah. like you know Foskey had the one sack to become the all time sack leader, which was a big thing to be able to see that in person. Huge, yeah. But it wasn't like they were just like. um you know, Riley Mills had that one great pressure in the third quarter. He just kind of like took the center and was like, You're, you go over that way. I'm going to go this way. I, I didn't think anybody played like this monster game. They were just kind of like really good across the board too. I thought that was an important piece of this as well. Yeah, you don't have a defense where it's like these two 
magnanimous, magnanimous uh, stars, right, that just stand out, and you expect them to do something. If they don't do anything or they get shut down, then the whole defense suffers because of it. And Notre Dame is like a defense that on each and every given play, someone can be the star of that play. It really is just that's the way it's set up. And I think if they just go ahead and do their jobs, it could be Riley Mills. It could be Chris Smith. It, it could be Howard Cross. Right. I thought, yeah. Justin, I thought Justin Adam Viola played really hard and really well yeah. today. Um, I, I agree with you about J.D., you know, and I wish – he understood how important he is. Not that he doesn't, but it's like, okay, if you know you're that important, then I need you to bring that intensity every game. Yeah. Like, that can't, you shouldn't have lows. You shouldn't have up and downs. At this point in your career at Notre Dame, you should be pretty constant. You might not have the spectacular game, but you should be pretty constant for this defense. And I think – Maybe he's found that floor of consistency to say, I'm going to be here now. And I don't have to be here because of what you just said. The other guys around me can make plays. And and mm-hmm. I thought about this. I actually, this was a thought. I said to myself, you know, this is the first season where this coaching staff, it's one thing to see it in practice. But then it's another thing to see it in games, because I have to be. We have to be fair with Maris being as injured as he was, and not really having a lot of time in spring and early on. They probably had to watch him play to really find out what we say. Like you need to activate him. Don't let him just sit in the middle and think and think. Put him on the edge. Put him in spots to make him better. And this is really their first season of doing that for the really. A lot of the guys on the roster to kind of figure out, and I think they're starting to figure out what everybody does really well, especially defensively, to make it the type of defense that you've been taught that you talked about. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Two things, Sean, I want you to respond to. Number one is we had said eventually these kids are going to learn this defense. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the fact that they did it the way they did it. I don't want them to, I don't want seniors to have to eventually learn it. Number one, number two, that learning process was sped up as I'm going to go back. You know, Vince, you started to see the coaches checking the boxes, right? We talked about the conversation that Marcus Freeman had with his coordinators post Stanford mm-hmm. about, we're going to simplify things that started the process to where the linebackers took off. Yeah. Now, they're still doing complex stuff, but it's not as much, not as many checks, not as much volume, mm-hmm. and it's still he still activates and all that, to your point. But they were activating a decent amount early. They just they weren't making plays in those situations because there was an uncertainty. There was yeah. a play today where Marist, I don't think it was a stunt. 
it was a run call, and Maris was in his normal stance, and as soon as he saw the guard step, he exploded through the line and blew the yeah. dude up at the line of scrimmage from the, from the backside. Yeah. And so I think that Coach Freeman stepping up, Sean, and saying, this isn't always about us. We got to make it to where they can play. That's a line, former linebacker, former linebacker's coach, former mm-hmm. defensive coordinator who's now the head coach saying, this is how to make those guys work. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Al Golden and James Laronitis because they had to get the job done. But I think that's the moment where we started to see the linebackers change. And, and I thought they played really, really well today. But, uh, and just know. to point out again, I think we said it. J.D. playing well is not a shock to us. Shouldn't be, no. J.D. played well last year. Yeah. He played well well. last year. So the leading tackler. Yes. So I think we all expected coming into this season that he would take it to another level, which is why the early play was so disappointing because his early play was beneath what he's shown last year. Mm -hmm. Like you're not even playing. Playing out of position, in my opinion. Right. right. Last year playing out of position. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that was that was why it was so troubling. You know, not that we didn't think JD could play. It's like almost like him playing the way he's playing now. It's like, okay, this is what we expected. This and is this is why, Sean, as much as we hated to play the linebackers, we said, look, y'all, just benching these kids is not the answer. Right? Like it's getting out of them, what they're capable of is the answer. Yeah. At other positions, benching dudes is the answer. That was not the answer, linebacker. It was these kids are too talented to not get more out of them. You've got to figure out a way to get more out of them. Correct. And that's the key. And they're doing that. And all of a sudden, this front seven looks really good. Now, again, BC's not very good. But they did to BC what a great defense is supposed to do to a team that's not very good. They held them to 117 yards of offense, fellas. 117 yards of offense. And you can't say, well, it was the weather and all this stuff. Because they were like 81 at halftime. <laughs> right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and they got, 39... a lot, they got a lot of those yards towards the end of the game when, you know. Well, and, and 39 of the first half, 81, came on that one play to Zay Flowers. The 39, it was almost half of it came on one play. It was a totally dominant performance on all three levels. I, I, you know, I, I hope the Cam Hart's okay. That was the one thing that concerned me about this game is when you saw him rolling around on the ground, holding his shoulder when he had that, that third quarter yeah. missed tackle, you know, but, but guys, I just, I was really impressed by it. Um, you know, the red zone, can, can we say one other thing, fellas? I know the reason it happened, but like the defense finally stepped up and didn't allow a red zone score. It went 0 of 1. Right, like you know, that was great, and it, uh, and it was a turnover. It wasn't just right. a, they didn't just keep them out of the end zone. They they got them turned right. over because of the interception, right? Right. Yeah. Was that the that was the red zone trip, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they were right on the outskirts. I'm not sure if that. I thought I have to go back and look. I have to go back and look, but I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was later. Okay. So, but I, yeah, you could be right, Vince. You could be right. I'm trying. They didn't, I don't, they didn't I thought, get in the red zone very much, obviously. Yeah, I have to go look at that. But the the point is, is that that you know you're good on third down defensively. Right. Your offense was good in the red zone. You know, you went six of seven in the red zone today on offense. Uh, f- five touchdowns. Right. I mean, that's that's where you want to be. So very yeah. very pleased, fellas, today with an all around performance. Special teams just had an off day. 
the wind was jacking up the kick return coverage and the kickoffs. I mean, the wind was jacking that kid up. I mean, he kicked two out of bounds. He hasn't, I don't think he's kicked one out of bounds all year. Nope. He kicked out two today. Couldn't get the ball in the end zone because of the winds. Uh, I'm chalking this one up to weather. I know that's probably not fair, but you know, and then Salerno just made a boneheaded play on that one kick punt return. That was just, dude, you, you got to run up there and make sure everybody's away. You don't go try to slide and field that punt, but you know what? Kids a fifth year senior trying to do something on senior day. He'd already taken one. He thought he's going to take back down. He was just trying to go make a play. You know, you, you say, "Hey, man, you can't do that." But you, you also look. I handle I handle mistakes made out of aggressiveness a whole lot different than I handle mistakes being made out of not yeah. being locked in or focused or whatever. Like I'm gonna get on you, but you know, I'm the back of my mind. I'm like, look, I love the aggressiveness. Let's just harness that aggressiveness a little bit, right? But Vince, you made a great point to me. This game showed what you have been saying for years, and I've agreed with you. The fair catch crap was not about Matt Salerno. Right. It was about Brian Pullian. Right. Yes. Can we can we can we 100%. can we also kill that one as well now, too? Thank you. They were fair Thank catch you, you coaches, not because of the returners. Yes. 100 percent Like the, clearly the kid has enough talent to return punts. Okay. Yeah. And I realized that was one return. But, I mean, he's doing spin moves, he's making guys miss, and then he tackles himself. But still, like, that was a return, man. Like, he wasn't allowed to return the ball, people. Like, it's not just Matt Salerno. Matt Salerno deserves, you know, credit when he deserves credit. He deserves, you know, criticism when he deserves criticism, okay? And a lot of times, it's not Matt Salerno that we're criticizing. It is the call to have him on the field in certain instances right sure that's more the criticism for matt salerno but the fair catch stuff that is not him okay he wanted Brian to return Pullian. the ball yeah yes he's yeah. busy screwing up lsu special teams right now <laughs> oh, thank goodness oh, i love the pettiness Sean, uh, <laughs> oh y'all south carolina just scored it. they're up on tennessee 20 to 7 yes let's go all right. So anything else you guys like to, you know, I think what I want to do here is I want to kind of dive into some super chats, talk about the game. We're just going to hang out with our people a little bit, but any other thoughts <laughs> you guys have on the game today, fellas, I, look, I'm, I'm pleased. I would have liked to have seen the weather hold up. I know Sean wanted the, the magic of the white, uh, you know, the, the white snow and all that, but I, I would have liked to have seen what this team did in the second half. You know, could they put sure. a couple more on? But other than that, guys, as coaches, we're always going to find stuff. I didn't like this call. I didn't like that call. But I think overall, guys, loved the game plans, loved this team's preparation emotionally, technically, scheme-wise. The execution was excellent on, on, on offense and defense. And this team did what you're supposed to – this team did what a top-10 team is supposed to do to absolutely. a team that stinks. Yes, absolutely. And I'm 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 excited. And I hope. What did we say? To they needed momentum. You need you wanted momentum going into next week. And I can't think of a better way to get some momentum, guys, than what we saw today. Yeah. Vince, yep. you want to you want to give? Some, we didn't. You didn't get a chance I, to share some of your big picture thoughts in the game okay. since you got here a little yeah. bit late. You just want to kind of share what you what you thought because it was obvious to us. I mean, we were kind of both oh. talking about it like. To each other. I mean, look, the game in the press box. You know, I, I I chart all the plays and you know keep track, and that's how I kind of keep myself like locked into what's going on in the game. Like once Notre Dame went up forty-four to nothing, I stopped charting plays. I just enjoyed watching the game, and yes, it was cool to see the snow and everything, but like that definitely hindered like the absolute 
soul crushing score that I was looking for against Boston college, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like I would have loved to see a couple more touchdowns. I would have loved to yeah. see uh, instead of the field goals, I would have loved to see a couple of touchdowns earlier. Sure. Right. And I'm nitpicking obviously. That's what but coaches big, do, man. That's what we do. Yeah, That's what makes us right. different. You know, like from a, we look at it but that from way. a big pic, Yeah. But from a big picture standpoint, I mean, Notre Dame is getting better every week at this point. And that is what you want to see. And I, I mentioned the boxes that are being checked by the head coach. I think that's very important. I think he's understanding how to talk to the media. I think he's understanding how to talk to his team as a head coach, not just as a defensive coordinator. I think he's understanding what he needs to say to get his team fired up. You know, I, I think a lot of the things that I'm seeing are very beneficial to the future of this program. And I have a lot of confidence going into next week. I have a lot of confidence going into whatever bowl game they end up in. And I have a lot of confidence as to where this program is going. And I can tell you right now, listening to some of the comments that Marcus Freeman was making in the press conference, he's pretty confident about where this program is going to, because he almost had to stop himself. He was talking about the foundation that the seniors had built. You know, they asked him about the seniors and all of that. <clears throat> and he, he almost said, yeah, they didn't win a national championship this year. Like Isaiah Foskey came back not only to get the record, but also to win a national championship. And he said something along the lines of he didn't get the national championship this year, but he's part of the foundation that we're going to win when we win a national championship in the future. Like he almost said like in the next like year or two, like yeah. he was <laughs> next year. He was like, <laughs> yeah, like he was real close. Like he sees where this team can be. And I agree with them, man. And it's not just coach talk. Like I see the pieces. I see the foundation. Sean, he said something when they were losing. He kept saying, we're a really good football team. We're just not playing like it. Right. You remember? Yeah. Like, it just sounded almost kind of absurd. You know, when you heard it, like you guys just lost to Stanford, you know, but he was adamant. But that, that attitude is why his team has bounced back. And played so well in the five games since, right? And yeah. again, it has been far from perfect, far from perfect. But this is Notre Dame's loss to Stanford to me was the most embarrassing Notre Dame loss that I can think of going back to 2016 at home. Like when you took it, the quality of the opponent and all that, like they've had worse losses, like Miami beating them 41 to eight. I'm just talking about like how you just lost to a, a how did you lose that game? Like, even Tulsa 2010, Tulsa was a 10-win team that year. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, they had NFL guys. That was a horrible loss. And we're talking about Isaiah Foskey didn't show up. We're thinking, is that dude going to check out? We're asking if, like, some of the veterans are going to check out now. You know, are, are they this? Are they that? And since that game, again, they haven't been perfect. They beat UNLV 44-21 no, in a game that wasn't that close. They beat Syracuse 41-24 in a game that wasn't that close. They beat Clemson 35-14 in a game that wasn't that close. They beat Navy 35-32. It was that close because they played so bad in the second half, but it was 35-13 at halftime. And then they just beat Stanford 44-0 in a game that wasn't that close. That's what this team has done since Stanford. Yes. And more than anything, that says so much, not just about Marcus Freeman, but on senior day about this team. Cause we were like, Jared Patterson's going to check out Isaiah Foskey's yep. going to check out. People were like, Michael Mayer should just start getting ready for the Stop NFL playing. now. Yeah. Right? right. Like Isaiah Foskey just disappeared against Stanford. You're like, what the heck is going on? Mm -hmm. Do you, can I give you guys a, a statistic? 
Isaiah Foskey coming out of the Stanford game had three sacks in six games. Three sacks in six games. Since that time, right, so this is now five games since then, Isaiah Foskey has had six and a half snap sacks since we thought he was ready to check out because of just how non-existent he was against Stanford. Mm-hmm. He had three the next week against UNLV. He had a sack and a half against Syracuse, a sack against Clemson. He had a sack today. The only time he didn't get a sack was against the triple option team. You know what I mean? Like that says so much about Isaiah Foskey and that it wasn't just to your point, Vince, it wasn't just about the draft. It wasn't just about the right. record. This kid could have said, you know what? Screw this. We're three and three. This is bull crap. I'm not putting my body on the line for this. Mm-hmm. But instead he said, uh-uh, that's not the legacy I'm leaving. Yeah. Nope. I didn't come back for that. I think, and he's not the only one. He's just the most obvious example based on numbers. Right. The way Michael Mayer has played. Michael Mayer even more so had a right to be pissed off because he actually did leave everything out on the field against Stanford. And and Jared Patterson, it looked like he was ready to be like, man, forget this, right? The way that these veterans responded to the disappointing season is gonna is is so it says so much about these young men, Sean. And I and I don't think we can talk about that enough because those kids had every reason that most of us would have said, screw this. And some kids did. Some kids left mm-hmm. right yeah. before then, after then, for whatever reasons on their own thing. But those kids stayed and stayed and said, "Hey, right? I mean, think about think about that, guys. I think that speaks volumes. And yeah, the coaches get deserve credit and all that. That's fine. But it says so much about the veterans on this football team. And it's good to hear from the leader how good you are in tough mm-hmm. times, and to hear the leader reiterate that, like, man, it doesn't look like we're good. Like, <laughs> yo, you know, I have a daughter. Every day since she was born, I told her how beautiful she was." And I still do it to this day. Just to reiterate, she she might believe it, but I'm not going to stop saying it. Vince, you have more opportunities than me to say it, buddy. So <laughs> you're going to keep doing it. And that's what you do as, as a leader, of a father of a program, a teacher. That's what you do, man. You give Absolutely. belief to those under you that even yeah. when it doesn't look like it, you are great. You are mm-hmm. going to be great. Great things are ahead of you. And I think, look, guys, we talk about it privately. We know what's missing in the program. We know what needs to be done to get to the next level. Marcus Freeman and his staff knows. And we've seen them recognize what needs to be done and rectify it. And And I fully, yes. And I fully expect them to look at those flaws that we privately talk about and say, you know what, we're going to rectify those as well. And that's why he feels confident, because he knows. He knows the lay of his land. He -hmm. knows the good things. He knows the bad things, right? And even with the bad things, he knows he has a team that's good enough that this is the key, Brian. He knows he has a team that's good enough to be 10 points away from an undefeated season. He believes that. Right. doesn't matter whether or not we believe it because we got to watch the Marshall game, right? We got to watch the Stanford game. He believes that the only loss on their resume should be Ohio State. 
and he feels like they should have won that game. And yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. He be- he believes that. It doesn't matter what anybody outside the building believes. He believes that. He pours that into his program and his play, and they believe that. They might not have the record, but if you they feel like if they line up with Ohio State again, we will beat you again. And that's the foundation, though, Sean, right? Like, that's the foundation. Look, yeah, our record says this, but it's about establishing the mentality that he wants. Absolutely. And, again, it, he he can – look, as a as a parent, Sean, you nailed it. You can tell your kid all, you, all she wants or you're beautiful, but if she doesn't, like, accept it and embrace it, then she's going to have self-esteem issues, right? Like, Marcus Freeman can tell his team that he's good all he wants, but if they don't embrace it – and here's yeah. the thing, that doesn't fly – if Isaiah Foskey doesn't say, yeah, you, I got you, coach. Yeah. If Jared Patterson doesn't say, I got you, coach. Right. If Michael Mayer doesn't say, I got you, coach. If J.D. Bertrand keeps believing what we all said about him in the first six games, guess what? Doesn't change. Right? I think that's a big thing. And, and I think you see yeah. enough youth in this team that, yeah. that you you know, that youthful energy, that youthful ignorance, and I mean that as a compliment, where you like, uh, forget that. I'm, I'm so-and-so. I'm going to go out there and do what I got to do. Yeah, and I just think that 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 is what has really allowed this team to click. And they're far from perfect. I mean, the second half of last week's game is an example of that, right? Like, yeah. And they've got to go out there and finish. Like they got to finish strong. But today was another example of like I, what I didn't want to do, guys, is end the season where the North Carolina game was the anomaly, yeah, or the right. Clemson game was the anomaly, yeah. where you couldn't point to and say, "Yeah, you played great that game," but so what? Like everybody has that one game. We've now seen enough of it from this team to say this is what this team is supposed to be. And exactly. so, yeah, this team won't pan out this way, but Marcus Freeman has something bigger in mind in my view where we've got to yeah. build this mentality to finish this Bingo. season the right way so the way we go into the offseason believe in that. So then next year Bingo. we come in and just believe that we're great, but then also understand that greatness isn't just a belief. Greatness is, is you've got to back that belief up. Lou yeah. Holtz's teams knew they could beat anybody. But yep. that belief came from a process of this is what it takes to get there, and this is what you got to do week to week to get that thing done. And I thought that that was uh, that was a that's a big part of being a champion, and that's what he's trying to build. Okay. Um, that's where you got to get to. Go ahead, Vince. But I was yeah. just going to say I wanted to, I wanted to piggyback off of something that Sean said about Marcus Freeman and how he knows. He is very self-aware, number one, of himself and what he's doing, as well as what's going on within his program. That is a rare commodity when it comes to being a head coach, because he has already proven, not only when he was a defensive coordinator, but when he's a head coach, that he's willing to change. And he doesn't wait for the offseason. He's willing to adapt, and he's willing to change when he sees that something's not working. And I'm not talking about being rash and firing coaches in the middle of the season because that's ridiculous. I'm talking about changing the way you prepare, changing the your expectations, you know, changing, not changing the playbook, but modifying things to fit the guys that you have, right? He's doing that. He is self-reflecting after every single game. And it is, for lack of a better term, it's refreshing, to be honest with you. And it is also gives me the belief that he is going to be a successful head coach at the University of Notre Dame. You don't change unless you're willing to admit that your decisions were part of the part of the thing that got you here. Yeah. Right? 
part of the reason the previous dude was unwilling to change and adapt is because he never felt that his decisions were part of the reason that got him there. Yeah. It was them. It was always them. Right. And Marcus, who understands, they're like, no, 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 it's us. We've got to get them in position where they can play to their – Marcus Freeman's belief was these kids are better than this, and we're not putting them in a position to be better than this. Right. The other dude's thing was they're just not good enough. I got to go get better dudes. I right. can't recruit better dudes here, so I'm going to go find somewhere else to get better dudes. Right. And, yep. you know, that that's why this guy's easy to root for. Right. Absolutely. Simple Super easy to root for. That's why the most impressive thing, the most impressive thing, we were talking to our guy, John Garcia. And I said, what's the most impressive thing about Marcus Freeman this year? He said the fact that he had the number one and number three recruits in the nation in his class. And when they left, the class stayed intact. Yeah. While they were losing. He said that shows you how respected he is in the landscape Mm -hmm. and where people feel like the program is going because they're not looking at the now. They believe in where the program is going to be. And I thought that was like, yo, you're right. Like as, as much as we talk about the recruiting class and as much as we talk about how the resilient, I think he used the word resiliency and how Notre Dame will test your resiliency if you're a player and if you're part of the program and if it'll weed you out. Like if you if you're not resilient enough, man, you won't stick around. You won't be good enough to stick around. And I think he's right on. I think he's right on. And for this to be the foundation of what he's trying to build, it, did it go perfect? No. But it's a pretty darn good foundation. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good darn foundation. I I fully believe that. I really do. I really do. Because of what Vince just talked about. Like, yo, when you have somebody as a leader that you can trust, yeah, you can trust, that goes a long way for young men. Yeah. Coming from different walks of life. Like they have to be able to trust you in a lot of different ways. And I just get the feeling that maybe early on, maybe some of the seniors were so were used to doing certain things yeah. and were trying to in, in and out. But you look at that team now, they trust him. Yeah. Totally. And that's huge. And that's what you want in your program. And that's what you want out of your head coach. You know, it, it, Vince, like you said, man, we all would have loved to see him week one in Columbus, you know, savvy on the sideline, knowing how to be a head coach. Of course. Uh, of course. We, we literally got to watch him evolve mm-hmm. and get it. Quickly. Like, quick, yes. Because yeah. a lot of people don't have that natural inclination to learn as they go as quickly as he has. And I think it's because he is, before you point the finger at somebody else, it goes back to what you did. He will point the finger at himself, right? Before I go get on my coaches, let me check myself. Before I go tell these kids anything, let me check myself. 
to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And Brian, that's something that I don't think has been here within this program. Long time. Long time. You know, so. And the previous guy wasn't the only guy. There's been other coaches before him that were that way. Yeah. Right? If we're being honest about it. So Yeah. Well, it's fun, fun day, guys. Now, again, it's now it's about building on it, right? And that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key. Yeah, let's go. Well, this part of our breakdown is over. We are going to get into some super chats. We have about 20 super chats to get to as of right now. So as as you all remember, we don't do a traditional Q&A after the postgame show. That will be kind of during the week. But we do answer super chats. And so we do have some of those guys. But before we do, I do want to ask everybody before you get out of here and don't leave yet because we're going to have some, there's some really good stuff in our super chats that we're going to get to. We're going to keep talking about the games we're watching. But uh, hit us hit that like button, everybody. Right, hit that subscribe button. We have over a thousand people in the show right now. It means we should have over thousands likes, right? Come on now. Uh hit that, that like button, me. please. Hit that hit the make sure you subscribe to this channel, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards at respectdown.com. We've had a lot of signups this last week. People are getting fired up. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, if you're listening via podcast platform, please give us a five-star review. Um, and if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, or haven't signed up for all the different things we do, we would appreciate not only the Irish Breakdown stuff, but also the CFB Nation stuff, because you can now find that guy up there over my be my left shoulder, Sean Davis. You get his show, The Lucky Lefty Podcast, on the CFB Nation channel, because they are the, with two E's, the Notre Dame channel on CFB Nation. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.